definitely made him nervous. Go ahead, buddy. Jonah 2, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and he listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. The currents swirled about me. Your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. The seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah 3, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and pre proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Amen. Amen. Um, some of you hear that and you kind of like, I could never do that, right? How many kind of have that? I could, you know what? You absolutely can do that. You know why they can do that? Because they put lots and lots of time into it. And that's really what it takes to memorize scripture. And really, it is available to anybody who wants to put the effort and the time that they do into it. If you'd like to ever watch them come quiz on the material, we have quiz tournaments. Uh, and it is fun to watch them quiz as well. So we have those once a month. We'd love to have you come out and support New Hope's teams and, and that sort of thing. It would be a lot of fun. So Jonah chapter 2, when last we left Jonah, this was last week, uh, we left Jonah being hurled over the edge of a boat into a raging sea to save some sailors, and Jonah was at the mercy of God's raging waters. Jonah was sinking into the sea, and it says that God provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah as we move into Jonah chapter 2, we hear his prayer. This was obviously recorded after the event, wasn't it? Um, there were no scribes inside the fish, amen? So these are Jonah's thoughts as he's recalling this experience. And that's where we pick up this morning. And the question I have for you this morning is, have you ever found yourself... In trouble like that have you ever found yourself in a situation and, and I don't mean just one of those uncomfortable situations like I I said the wrong thing and I feel a little uncomfortable right now like that not that kind of this is a little awkward moment I mean a real life like I'm I I don't know what to do right now kind of moment anybody ever been there I was thinking this week, as many of you have been as well, if you follow the news or social media, of this hurricane that is just swirling and swirling and swirling. And I happened to see uh, a tweet from somebody. And the tweet went something like this. And, and this is under the guise of, you know, Jonah's situation was kind of one of his own making, wasn't it? We talked about that last week when we live our lives in disobedience. Sometimes things happen to us. And there was this tweet that was going around and 
somebody was in their attic. The battery on their cell phone was about to run out, and they were tweeting, please come save us. We're in our attic. They gave the address. I'm here with my family in the midst of this hurricane. The hurricane had been forecasted for a week. And this particular house was in the evacuation zone. And somebody chose not to leave at the hurricane evacuation notice, right? So you can hear a little bit of cynicism in my voice. I'm sorry. Like, I had a non-pastoral moment this week. I just have to admit. All right? You know this hurricane is coming and you choose to stay put. You are now putting yourself and your family in harm's way. I really don't know the outcome of that. The phone died, and I don't really know what happened to them. I'm assuming many, many people have been saved. But that would be in the category of a situation, a trouble of your own making. You had the opportunity to leave and chose not to. Let me read a different story for you this morning. Because there are some situations in our lives, are there not, where we find ourselves in trouble and the situation is not of our own making. We find ourselves in a difficult situation. Stanley Premnith was at his desk on the 81st floor of the World Trade Center, the South Tower, on September 11, 2001, when he saw an airplane fly past the Statue of Liberty and suddenly appear larger and larger through his office windows until he could see a red stripe on the fuselage, the letter U for the United Airlines. When hijacked flight 175 banked and headed straight toward him, Engines roaring, Premneth, then an assistant vice president at Fuji Bank, drove, dove under his metal desk yelling, Lord, I can't do this. You take over. As the nose of the plane smashed through the tower, just 130 feet from his desk, the ceiling collapsed and everything around Premneth erupted into flames. Curling into the fetal position, I said, Lord, I am not ready to die. Please send somebody to help me. All I could think of was that I wanted to see my wife and my daughters again. When I saw that I was trapped, I started yelling for help. When we're desperate enough, we reach out for help. True? Very often, these moments are what we call foxhole moments. Some of you in the military will recognize that term. Very often, those moments cause us not just to recognize our need, but they also cause us to pray. Some of you might ask, what's a foxhole? A foxhole is literally a, a hole dug in the ground on the battlefield that you can dive into as the bullets fly over your head. You are protected somewhat, but you literally are kind of pinned down. There's nowhere else to go. They become safe havens. Many a soldier has used the phrase, there are no atheists in foxholes to describe the prayers that are lifted in those moments when it seems like there is no hope. Fear and really ultimately vulnerability in those moments. They're great motivators toward faith and obedience. Thanks to a stranger on that day, September 11, 2001, the guy's name was Brian Clark. He happened to be going down 
when down the stairs, when the plane crashed into the tower, he heard the pleas of Stanley and came to his aid instead of just fleeing down the only surviving stairwell in the South Tower. And that day, Premnith became one of only four people at the impact zone to escape that morning. And he also received an additional gift that morning as well, and that was a new best friend named Brian Clark. I used to work in Chicago in an organization called the Olive Branch Mission, where I worked with men, women, children, mostly men in an addiction recovery program. And these men would describe for me the stories of how they had tried and tried and tried again to overcome their addictions. They would come, they would receive treatment, might go to a 30-day detox, and then they would go back out and they would just fall again. They would succumb to the, to the ravages of their addiction. And it was this cycle of repeating, uh, I want to get better, but I don't know how. I want to get better, but I don't know how. Let me go to the detox, but then I fall again. And they would describe some of them who actually now were there for a long-term treatment. They would describe how it took hitting rock bottom. It took getting to the end of themselves to be able to actually recognize what it was going to take to overcome their addiction. And they would describe in those moments of hitting rock bottom, they would describe and they actually called them, I had a foxhole moment. I had a moment when there was nothing left. The addiction, the disease, everything that was taking over my life, there was absolutely nothing left for me to do except to come, and in this case, to the Olive Branch Mission. And I came to the Olive Branch Mission because I needed something that I couldn't do for myself. Foxhole moments. Jonah, this morning, finds himself in a foxhole moment. And he lifts up a foxhole prayer. Ultimately, those foxhole moments, those times when we come to the end of ourselves, they really do have a purpose. It's when we come to the end of ourselves, when we have nothing left, that we inevitably find Jesus, if we're looking for him. We find our purpose. We find that life begins to sort itself out when I let go and let God. Amen? You see, crisis moments, foxhole moments, foxhole prayers, they ultimately point us back to Jesus if we're looking for Jesus. All that was left for Jonah and Stanley And so many of the moments that you and I find ourselves in was to cry out to God for deliverance. Psalm 3.8 says this, From the Lord comes deliverance. You might know it as salvation belongs to the Lord. Anybody ever heard that before? Psalm 16.10 says this, For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. Deliverance. From the Lord comes deliverance. It's a word that actually means salvation. And I said last week that the heart of the story of Jonah is God's love. It's God's love for Jonah, and it's God's love for us. Even in our rebellious 
disobedience. At the heart of God's love is his gracious offer of salvation, of eternal life, of hope for eternity. You see, salvation, the Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua. And Jesus is the Greek form of that Hebrew word for Yeshua. It means Jesus, deliverance, salvation, divine rescue from overwhelming distress. Ultimately, from deliverance of our sin. And I ask you again this morning, are some of you there? Are some of you finding yourselves in situations that seem overwhelming, that seem like you're just sinking with no one to help, with no aid, with no support, with nothing. Like Jonah, you are coming to the end of yourself, coming to the end of your resources. You know, in this story, God provides a fish. And some of us and many scholars throughout history have wanted to say, well, that's just kind of an allegory. That's just sort of a story, right? And I'm not here to debate with you whether or not the fish was real or whether it wasn't. But I just want to point out to you some other ways that God did some strange things throughout the Bible that sometimes we choose to believe some of them and not the others, right? Let me just point out a couple of them to you. How many times have you asked yourself, uh, why did they have to walk around Jericho seven times and then on the seventh day walk around seven times and lead out with, uh, with the trumpets? Like... Was that really the most sound military strategy for overcoming Jericho? Some of you are smiling. How about when the ravens, the birds, fed Elijah? I don't know if I would trust them to feed me, right? There are some strange things that God does. Or how about blindness that confounds an enemy for Elisha when he's pointing out the ways that they're going to have a military conquest? How about water from a rock? I don't know, like, that doesn't usually happen. Not too often, right? Um, Think about the parting of the Red Sea. Anybody ever heard that story before? I know, some of us probably scratch our heads. Like, really, did that really happen? And, And yes, there's some archaeological evidence that some of these things actually happened. And maybe over time there will be more archaeological evidence that will surface that some of these things actually did happen. Think about a donkey that stopped a prophet in his tracks. And started talking. God does some strange things throughout the Bible. Is it too strange for him to send a fish to swallow a guy who's drowning? I don't know. But that fish does represent something. Because you know, God did something in the New Testament that was even more crazy than all of that. God chose to impregnate a virgin. Give birth to a son who lived an absolutely sinless life but was killed via Roman capital punishment to die for our sins so that ultimately we'll be freed from the fear of sin and have access to Jesus Christ. Is that not the most absurd thing you've ever heard? It absolutely is. And yet we accept it. Because we've heard it every Christmas. And it gets ingrained to us. Every Advent season, that was the choice that God made for you and me. Jonah, the fish, is a picture of God's salvation 
story for you and me. It's a picture of when I have no options left, when I'm sinking to the bottom of the sea and I have no resources available when I cry out to you. Jonah is that story for us. In verse 2 of chapter 2, you heard Isaac quote, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. God doesn't turn his back. Even though we reject him, even though we're disobedient, even though we don't do everything perfectly, God doesn't turn his back. It made me think of uh, terrible twos and the worst threes, right? The toddler years, right? When, when a toddler acts out and defies everything that you want that little toddler to do and is openly defiant and tells you no when you tell them to do something. Some of you know what I'm talking about. All right, I see some hands, right? We got some young parents out. You know what that's like, right? Well, sometimes that's how we are with God, isn't it? Is it not? Sometimes aren't we sort of like a toddler in our faith walk, in our faith journey? I can't do that. Why would you ask me to do that, God? Don't don't make me go do that. that, That's silly. I'm not going to do that, Lord. And some of us, we just openly say, no, that's not for me. I'm not going there. But just like a parent with their children, we draw them back ever so gently, don't we? We bring them back, we love them, we encourage them, and sometimes, yes, we get a little frustrated and we say, go see your dad, go see your mom, right? But bottom line is we draw them back. We hem them back in because we love them. That's the picture that came to my mind. A God who cares, a God who loves, a God who helps us who, to get back on that right path. Psalm 18, 4 through 6 says this, The cords of death entangled me. Sounds a little bit like Jonah. This isn't Jonah writing, but The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. God listens. Just let that sink in for a minute because that might be the only thing some of you need to hear this morning. God listens. Sometimes we might feel like God really doesn't care. Sometimes we might feel like God doesn't really listen. But that is so far from the truth. And it's further from the truth, especially when you're in tough times. God is listening. And the question is, are you praying? Are you seeking him? Are you crying out to him in those moments? In verse 7, he says, As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. As my life was slipping away. And the question is, is that 
Is that what it takes for us to come to God? Do we need to get to that level of my life is slipping away, God? Maybe. Maybe that's what it takes. And God's got resources at his disposal, doesn't he? God's got ways to get our attention. God's got ways to get us both there and back. But he desires that we reach out to him. And if that's the way for you, then maybe he has a plan for you right now and today. Doesn't necessarily have to get to that level. But God will meet us in the midst of any of our troubles. That's really the story of Jonah today. And the question comes back again. When was the last time you found yourself in that proverbial foxhole? Could be that you're in one today. Could be that you're in a situation. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's a situation at work. Maybe it's with your children who are wandering and you're struggling and you've thrown up your hands to God. God, I don't know what to do, God. I can't do anything else. They're on their own, Lord. Just please take care of them. God hears that. Maybe it's a friend who's wandering away, doing their own thing, and you're loving on them, you're helping them, you're talking to them, you're, you're investing everything, and they're, they're still choosing to just kind of do their own thing. And you're like, God, I don't know what else to say. Maybe it's your finances. You tried and tried. You're, you're trying to get that job. You can't get it. It's not coming together, and you're, you're lost. You're without hope, and the money's running out, and you're like, God, I don't know where else to turn. What do I do? Maybe you're in your own level of addiction. And it's maybe not just drugs and alcohol. It could be anything. It could be pornography. It could be anything. You're like, God, I've tried. I don't know. I don't know what else to do. Help me. I know it ain't right. I just can't stop. That's really the story of Jonah. It's God listens. And it made me think, like, what is it about a foxhole prayer? What is it about a foxhole moment that transforms our thinking and it transforms our lives? And let me just give you a couple of things that I thought about. Number one, in those moments, there is a sense of belief in those moments that may not be present at any other time in your life. There's a belief that I can't help myself, but there's some other reality. There's something else out there that could help me in this moment. And you choose to believe in that moment because you got nothing else to lose. So there's belief. There's hope. Even though when you feel like you're losing hope, there's this sense if I cry out to something else, there's, there's at least somebody else out there, something else out there that can help me in this moment. So there's this sense of hope and it's accompanied by a sense of desperation. I got nothing. But I think you can do it. Belief, hope, desperation, and also clarity. In that moment, everything else doesn't matter. It's whatever I'm focused on in that moment. And I have absolute clarity that this is what I need. It could be the very thing I need to survive. It could be the very thing that I need to help in that moment. But in that moment, that foxhole moment, when nothing else is 
helping. I have absolute clarity about what is important and what isn't important. Belief, hope, desperation, clarity, they all coalesce around these moments in our lives. Really, when we think about it, what is, what is the point for today? What is the point of the foxhole moment? Because I'm here to tell you they're not just to make you uncomfortable. They're in your life to draw you to God. Whatever situation you find yourself in, the transitions of life, the circumstances of life, the things that are weighing you down, they're there because God loves you and he's drawing you back to him. He wants you to turn to him. And he loves you. Jonah was asked to do something. But it took a foxhole moment to actually get him back on the right path. He had to trust in the mercies of God. And yes, a fish was the mercy of God. Some people have said over the years that the fish kind of represents sort of a judgment on Jonah. And the reality is that, no, I don't believe that. I think the fish represents salvation. The fish represents God's ultimate mercy on Jonah. That is Jesus Christ in the New Testament. That is our mercies. And sometimes we have to trust in those mercies. And sometimes they're really, really uncomfortable. But we have to trust God in those moments. Because God may be and is, in your situation and mine, the only one who can save you. Be reminded today that God does save. He is the God of second chances. Let me just read you a fun story to close today, which is a story of second chances. It's a story of two men and a dog. This is a real life story, so it sounded funny to start that way, but... All right. Story of Mac, Jerry, and Booga. Real life name. Story goes like this. Hold on, Mac. I'm not going to leave you, shouted Jerry Ponson, the vapor rising from his breath in the cold December air. He never thought that he'd be in a mess like this. He and Mac had shoved off at 5 a.m. with Booga, their black lab, to go duck hunting across the three-mile bay near New Orleans. They were halfway across when a nor'wester came down the channel, tossing their boat like it was a toy. The boat sank, and now Jerry and Mac were clinging to a pole they'd been able to spear into the mud. But Mac was older, and he was losing strength. Where's Booga? Mac gasped. I told him to get, shouted Jerry over the wind. I can't hold on to both of you. He knew the dog would never make it. He thought about leaving Mac and swimming for help, but even if he got to the shore, it was another five miles to the nearest phone. They had no choice. They'd have to wait. Hoping against hope that a boat would come up the channel and see them. I can't hold on anymore, Mac groaned. Hang on, Mac. Somebody will come. He didn't really believe that. He was never much of a believer in anything. When his sister had talked to him about God, he kicked her out of the room, calling her a fruitcake. Smash! A huge wave drenched them. Hold on, Mac! Jerry didn't need any false hope with some so-called God. Smash! Another wave. He didn't know how to start a conversation with God anyway. I can't hold, said Mac. Yes, you can, commanded Jerry. He then looked up and he said, God? 
If you hear me, please. I need another chance. Send a boat. Two minutes later, Jerry experienced the most powerful God wink in his life. Out of the mist, he saw a cross. He blinked. No, it wasn't a cross. It was the mast of a boat. He took off his shirt and tied it to the pole. Holding on to Mac, he waved it in the air. This was impossible. They'd never see two people floating where they shouldn't be. But they did. A small boat was coming from the big boat, and somebody pulled them in. And as they climbed aboard the big boat, Jerry had the most powerful God wink. The name on the big boat was Second Chance. And when they got to shore, there was Booga, the dog. Jerry Ponson has been a believer and a New Orleans street preacher ever since. What is God saying to you today? What is he calling you to do? Here in the city, through New Hope, or through your work, through your family, through your friends? I believe that God has plans and a purpose for each of you. And he really does invite every one of you to be part of what he's doing all around you. It may not necessarily work out the way you want it to. It may not work out the way you think it should. But just like that story and countless others, there are stories in our lives that remind us that God is at work. He is available. He is listening. He wants to connect with you. We're going to take a few minutes and try to answer that question. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and they're going to play softly and I would like for you to just take some time to listen, respond. There is a connection card in the back of your seats and on that connection card are some opportunities for you to share a prayer request, to share your personal information. If you're visiting with us today, we have something we'd like to leave with you out in the lobby after service. That card would be a way for you to let us know who you are. But more importantly than any of that, we just want to give you space in a quiet moment to respond to what God might be saying to you today. So let's take a few minutes while the worship team plays. I'm going to pray. And they're going to play, and then we have a couple of closing songs. God's listening. He's available, and he's available to you today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Jonah. And really, other stories that we know we've heard in our lives of providence, of sovereignty, of miracle, really, that remind us that you are a God who listens, that you are a God who's available. And I pray today, Lord, that in whatever way we need to cry out to you, that we are available to do just that, that our hearts are open and, and churning and listening. And, Lord, if we're not at the end of our rope, if we're really not at the end and we haven't hit rock bottom and it just isn't our time, 
Lord, would you love us anyway? We know you do. And would you send forth your mercy and just a little, a little twinge in our heart, a little touch in our soul, a little reminder in our head, Lord, whatever it is, that you're still there. And when we're ready, you'll be waiting. Because you love us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.